Hey folks, it's Pete Trubis, the world's okayest starting strength coach, to give you the rundown on everything we have coming up. The June seminar is sold out, so the next one available is going to be August 12th through the 14th. Then after that, October 14th through the 16th. For training camps coming up, September 10th, we have a self-sufficient lifter camp in Wichita Falls, covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift. And then we have squat and deadlift camps, both of these camps at Starting Strength Gyms on June 11th, one in San Antonio, Texas at Starting Strength San Antonio, and one in Orlando, Florida. As far as other Starting Strength Gyms news, if you haven't heard yet, Columbus is open, so if you're in the area, make sure to check them out. Starting Strength Tampa in Tampa, Florida has just signed a lease, so they have a location, so stay tuned for more information with them. Then after that, we'll have Tulsa and Miami coming on board. For more information on locations, head over to locations.starringstrengthgyms.com. Check out what's on the map. Check out what's to come. Request an area specifically that you would like to see a starting strength gym. And as always, we're going to continue to need coaches to staff these gyms. So if you're interested in becoming a coach, there are a few pathways. You can apprentice at a gym. You can do the starting strength coach development prep course. You could do those in conjunction. But we have a greater need than we do have coaches at this point. So there is an opportunity if you're mobile or if you live in an area where a starting strength gym might be built. For more information on that, head over to startingstrength.com, check out the coaching tab, click on coach development, and you'll get the rundown there. And as usual, you can always donate to the Bree Hillen Battery Fund at breehillenisanandroid.net and help a lady out. Mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics. Semi-professional production quality. Reasonably well-informed commentary. A great value for the money. Hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. All right, I'm here with David Heon today. David is... uh giving JD a run for his money for the biggest franchise owner. And JD was sure to mention that, by the way, when I mentioned that to him. Uh, David is a franchise owner, the owner of Starting Strength Tulsa. He's a member at Starting Strength Oklahoma City. He used to be an online client under Nick Delgadillo. He's a surgeon. He's a big, strong guy. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to him today. So welcome, David. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think I want to arm wrestle JD quite yet though. Yeah. And don't get in a scrap with him because he's got that rugby background. So um, yeah. let's talk about your lifts because you're moving some big numbers. Hit me with your PRs. Um, PR uh, squat. Um, really when I started, I was, my squat sucked. It was uh, my, my mechanics really were bad. I was pretty sure that Nick was going to fire me before I got my mechanics figured out. But uh I was really down in the 150 range, um, and uh, let's see, about a month ago, I did uh, 415. Hell um, yeah, well done. Um, the uh, press, pretty strong in the press uh, for some reason, uh, 235 in the uh, in the press, bench press. Where'd you start on the press, did, by the way? Oh, probably one, 140. It's a hell of a start. Um, one one thirty five. Yeah, probably took me six months to get to one thirty five. So uh, bench press. I just set a PR um, in the bench uh, a week ago. It was three twenty. Nice three plate club. Yeah, and uh, deadlift. 
520. 520 so, pound deadlift. Awesome. And where did you start on the bench and the deadlift? Bench was 185. Uh, you know, it, that's an interesting story about the bench. I, uh, I hit two plates uh, once when I was in my 20s and I hurt my shoulder doing it. I was at a Gold's gym. I pressed it for one rep and then I was so psyched. I got off the bench and some big guy comes up. He goes, you done with this? And he starts warming up with T25. And I was like, yeah, what a letdown that was. <laughs> but, you know, I, I never in my life would have thought uh, I'd ever get back to that, you know, a two-plate bench press, let alone a three-plate bench press. At what age? I was 22, probably. And how old are you now? <clears throat> Coming up on 60. Coming um, up on 60 and, and, a, and, a, and a, 520 pounds. You know, not bad for a senior citizen, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds nuts, right? I mean, it, mu it must sound nuts to your peers. It probably sounds nuts to your patients. Fill me in on this. What 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 is it like? How has it benefited you? Why does this make any sense? Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the gym um, most of my life. I uh, I played hockey in uh, in high school and uh, swam. I wrestled a bit in high school. Um, swam in college, and um, somewhat athletic. But um, you know, once. Once you get out of college and you're in med school, um, there's there's a whole new set of priorities, and uh, these things kind of get shoved aside. Um, and then residency, which is even more intense than uh, the med school, um, and that's you know that's six years of slave labor, basically. Um, and then when just I started my practice, um, got back into it a little bit. Um, but recently, um, when it was about, I say recently, but it's about four years ago, I um, had a bit of a scare on a, a set of random blood tests that showed I was becoming diabetic. And I was in crappy shape. I was uh, probably 290, um, you know, fat, lazy, um, when I'm not eating right, scared the crap out of me. So I went on a well, to your journey to um, try and fix that. Uh, a lot of research uh, on nutrition, um, exercising research, which, as you know, is really difficult to negotiate. Um, well, it's mostly bullshit. But I ended that's up problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. You got to filter that through. Yeah. Um, so uh, I lost about seventy pounds of fat. Um, reverse my trend towards diabetes. And I was, uh, and then once uh, we had this rather ridiculous response to COVID, um, I started building a home gym and um, got lucky enough to get a, a rack before everything got sold out. And I was doing mostly uh, before that P90X, um, a couple rounds of that, which was intense, but um, didn't really increase my strength at all. Um, some, some CrossFit stuff that, you know, at my age, that just wears you out, wears your joints out. And, um, uh, I, I know I look like it, but you know, I'm not a great runner. So, so, um, <laughs> <be fooled. laughs> so, um, you know, as I'm going through the CrossFit workouts of the day and 
trying to pick my way through those that are going to cause the least amount of damage. Um, came across a, uh, a, a deadlift ladder, you know, progressive increase in deadlifts. And, and the deadlift was uh, something I wasn't real overjoyed with. I had ruptured a bicep tendon in my, uh, my arm uh, doing the deadlift the wrong way, which kind of goes back to as I was in the gym most of the time, I, every time I try to get heavy, uh, try to lift heavy, I, uh, I hurt myself somehow. I was always in awe of the, you know, the few guys in the corner over there that just lifting superhuman weights and just couldn't understand. Maybe they're just built different than me. I, you know, who knows? Um, so I started to look up the, the deadlift because you, you go on YouTube to find out what to do. Right. And uh, came across this 35 minute video on the deadlift. And I said, <laughs> who the hell can talk for 35 <laughs> minutes? on a deadlift, right? So I'm watching this guy just dissect the deadlift down to, you know, the minutia. And I was like, I, okay, I got to figure out who this guy is. And so starting strength was, you know, coming up everywhere. And um, so I looked into him a bit and he's got a book. Okay, I'll, I'll read the book. Uh, and he's got a, another book, Practical Programming. So I started uh, chewing my way through that. These are hard books, by the way. These are not, you know, I, the mechanics, the, the mechanical physiology, the, the anatomy in those books rivaled basically anything since my med school days, you know, my, it's a textbook. my anatomy text. And it's a tome. Yeah, it's uh, so um, realize that this guy um, really had this down to a science. And, um, and kind of threw all my eggs in that basket because I couldn't, I couldn't find any holes in the, the logic. Plus I liked his attitude, but, um, besides that, he, uh, um, so I didn't really know where to start. I, I uh, interestingly, I, I read the program on the bench press and I said, oh shit, I've been doing that wrong. Um, and, uh, I kind of read how to do it. I went into my gym and I put 135 on there and I bench press and that didn't hurt my shoulder and went up to 185 and that didn't hurt my shoulder. And I said, okay, so I've been, and nobody ever taught me how to lift, you know, it's like, here's the barbells go, you know, do your stuff. And, uh, that's kind of how I hurt myself. So <clears throat> I decided that this material was precious enough and um, complicated enough that I needed to learn more. So I ended up going to a seminar, um, a uh, coaching seminar in, uh, I think it was December of 2020 and uh, <laughs> blown away um, just by the, not just the, the mechanics of everything and the, the way, the way the lifts are done and how it's educated, but the, the quality of people that he surrounded himself with was, I'd never, you know, I've never seen such a collection of talent before, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, strength training. So, um, got hooked up with Nick and, uh, you know, signed him up as a, as a, um, a video coach. 
and started doing these uh, workouts in my uh, in my gym, and found out that Oklahoma City was opening up one of the franchise gyms uh, later in 2021, and I think it was April. So my wife's watching me um, increase my strength, um, just in terms of the numbers. And uh, my wife had an interest in increasing her strength um, because she has a pretty big family history of osteoporosis. And, you know, her mom's very sarcopenic and uh, frail and she don't want to be that. And, um, I, you know, we've been married long enough that there's no, no way I was going to train her. Um, so that was, that was obvious. Oh, and, uh, so um, found out that uh, when Sardi Strinka's opening, she was one of the first to sign up in Oklahoma City and surprised to see that um, Chase was the head coach. And I thought, wow. So I actually signed up to go out there once a week um, to supplement my video training, um, which is huge. And I, so I get coached by Nick and Chase and um, – two different flavors of, uh, you know, lifting genius if you want, but my wife has made incredible gains. Um, just she, you know, she's 59. She's, she's five feet tall. She's about 138 pounds. Sorry, honey. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but, um, always fit really run anymore. Um, sick and tired of being, you know, measuring food out every day. Anyway, um, her lifts just became incredibly, um, incredible numbers, um, you know, for her size. She just deadlifted uh, 200 pounds yesterday. You know, for a near 60-year-old, the five-foot-tall woman, that's, you know. So, and um, it was it was interesting to watch. So that the, as the progression came about, you know, I was in, watching in the starting strength gym, the, the actual how the franchise work, watching these gyms pop up all over the country. And I said, well, they, they probably got this figured out by now, um, you know, how to do this. And I was watching people come into the Oklahoma gym and they could hardly squat down on a box, you know. Um, They're um, senior citizens like me. Um, but less capable, I guess. And I just watched them transform. It's, you know, unless you've actually seen it and you've watched this happen in a, in a gym, in a starting strength gym, um, it, it, you really don't, it's hard to explain. But when you give these people this kind of empowerment, um, where all of a sudden they're, um, you know, they're, they're, now they're squatting with a barbell with plates on it and they come in every, um, you know, every other day, they come in three days a week. They don't miss because they're becoming empowered. And quite frankly, that's really what happened to me. I, uh, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't all worked up about the numbers. It was mostly about getting strong and not hurting myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, when you're 20, you can probably hurt yourself and recover and, when you're, when you're in 60, that's more of a process. So, 
Um, uh, you know, so doing it safely and getting strong safely, um, amazing, uh, uh, just an amazing structure that uh, that's been developed around this. So if you don't, I think goals are great. You know, I had goals all the time, but couldn't achieve them because I didn't have a system, mm. you know, and I always, I always joke that uh, we, we all owe Mark Ripito some serious, can, uh, you know, thanks because, it, you know, he spent his life ruining his body, <laughs> figuring out how not to do these things, right? And getting thrown off horses. And, that didn't help. And, you know, yeah, he did that. I, but, you know, I I wasn't always a surgeon. I used to race motocross and, um, you know, I was a pilot and I, you know, broke bones and, you know, injured myself in other ways outside the gym. But, um so those are things you got to consider when you're, when you're lifting as a, um, you know, an older lifter, you know? So yeah, the, uh... that's kind of how that happened. And then, and then, it, you know, watching this happen in, in Oklahoma city, I said, you know, I've spent almost 30 years now as a surgeon helping people. Um, and this is kind of a neat transition because it's an amazing thing watching how you guys are helping people. Hmm. And it's, um, it was just, it's just a brilliant system with really, really smart people. Um, just what, what you guys have created in your, in your franchise group and in the starting string community, it's an extremely rare thing to see that kind of talent all helping everybody. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, David, the point you make about talent is one that can't be understated because a company is just a collection of people and the quality of the products and services that the company produces will 100% be dependent upon the quality of the people involved. And prior to this, I was a tech entrepreneur. And then prior to that, I was an executive at BlackBerry working overseas. And we were growing so fast, I quite literally had an unlimited budget when it came to headcount. I could import a Swede and pay them double what they were making in Sweden to move to Singapore and uh, help me grow the Southeast Asian market. And I tell the franchise team this all the time. You guys are the most talented people I've ever worked with. And you're working for a fraction of what a big company like BlackBerry would pay. And uh, the capability and experience that you have coupled with the commitment that you have because you're so passionate about what we do makes us unstoppable. And it's it's made it so that we could build this franchise company and compete with private equity backed, venture capital backed companies and create this thing for a fraction of the cost and execute better, not just in terms of the way things look and the way our system works and our training and our development and support and all this other stuff, but especially in terms of the, the results that you get inside the gym. But the results you get inside the gym are thanks to Mark Ripito. You know, this this company would be nothing had it not been for the work that he created, of course. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting um, point. We we have a brand new um, uh, anesthesia personnel that just just got hired and he's young. He's out of school. Um, pretty stout guy, you know, and as I looked at him, he's not, you know, he's not your typical soy boy that just came out of school. Um, and one of the one of the. Uh, uh, long-term anesthetists that's there 
um, pretty strong guy, football player, um, was talking to him and he said, you should see what Dr. Heon does in terms of his lifts. And so he, he got curious and he started asking because he's, you know, he was in the gym and he's, he's probably five, nine. Okay. Maybe 180 pounds and he's squatting 350. So he's figured something out on his own, I thought. And he said, he started asking me and I said, well, actually I'm opening a gym franchise in Tulsa. It's called starting strength. And he looked at me and he goes, is that the same starting strength uh, that that blue book is written about? Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh -huh. I said, yeah, Mark Ripito. He goes, that's it. He goes, yeah, I read that a couple of years ago. It really helped me. I said, no, oh, well, you should visit one of his gyms. <laughs> so I, that's the other thing is that he's, you're right. It's it's related to Mark Ripito's um, genius and the following that he has. Because you can build a, a gym in a city, and and the brand is very obvious. There's people that know starting strength, and um, you have a built-in market. Yep. Yeah. This is uh, you know, it dawned on me that this franchise system had to be created. I remember the day I was I was working at a gym that, that uh, Grant and I just opened in Orange County, um, and Rip called me. It was a Saturday, and he was uh, he was all pissed off. He was all pissed off because people were misbehaving on the board. They're just being fools, trolls, and he was he was saying, you know, I think I'm finally going to charge for access to the board, and he was calling for my opinion because he knew I had a tech background. So I said, uh, well share your analytics with me just so I can take a look and see what we're dealing with here. And then I'll, I'll give you some advice. So, um, I was flattered when he asked me, so I kind of took it on as a consulting project. I, I took a very close look at his analytics and I created kind of a consulting style presentation of exactly what I recommend. And when I first logged into Google analytics, I was like, Holy shit, Holy shit. This thing is huge. This is way bigger than I imagined. So the starting strength brand current day get something like 35 million impressions per year online. So 35 million uh, total potential views online across all these channels. And this isn't the, the result of some slick marketing campaign. This is a result of an engineer, essentially, um, a scientist, essentially, creating a textbook on the observations he's made over the course of his career breaking everything down to full princi uh, first principles, and then explaining the biology, the physiology, the physics, the anatomy, and everything in between, to the extent that a guy like you, who's been through med school and residency and is a surgeon, can read this and go, oh shit, this is correct. And then not only that, not only is the theory correct, but the application in practice actually works. So it's, yeah, it's cause incredible. He had, cause, yeah, because he has that experience too. I mean, he, he was strength training... Uh, for years and, and quite frankly knew how to do it wrong every possible way um and, and that's that's you know, it goes back to my initial comment we we owe him a huge amount of gratitude for what comes out in that in that blue book yeah. um there is no other text that i'm aware of okay that that says um that that teaches you exactly how to do strength training and how to get stronger yep. there's, there's just i like i said you know i um 
been in the gym a long time. I played a lot of sports, but there's nobody ever showed me how to do things the right way and get strong safely. And you are very lucky. You came at the right time because you and I have very similar backgrounds in that I tried P90X. I had a membership at 24 Hour Fitness. I had personal trainers. I tried everything. I went to CrossFit and uh, I discovered the book. And I remember when I, when I discovered the book, my home base was in Irvine. So I, I literally Googled starting strength Irvine thinking that obviously this, there must be gyms for this thing. This makes too much sense for the <laughs> And this was back in 2013. And uh, I was just like, what in the hell? And I saw they had an affiliate program, a couple of gyms here and there. And I was just shocked that no one had, had brought this thing to the public in an accessible way. And I had to do the program on my own. And I was traveling all over the world and uh, finding gyms and hotels that had barbells and bringing chalk in my carry-on suitcase and doing everything incorrectly because... <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I'd be doing things incorrectly because I... Um, you know, I didn't have the benefit of a Nick Delgadillo, one of the best coaches in the world, looking at my videos and, and fixing me up. And uh, and even even doing it half-assed still radically transformed everything about my life. And, and just like you, I owe a massive debt of gratitude to Rip because not only has it helped my health in terms of uh, my my day-to-day -day capability and my ability to participate in my other physical hobbies that unlike starting strength are actually bad for me, namely, you know, jujitsu and Muay Thai, uh, it's now the focus of my entire, you know, professional career. My family's involved. It's how I met my wife. I mean, it is. It is. It's touched every aspect of my life in such a positive way, um, and I'm I'm just tremendously grateful that we get to sit here and and open up these gyms and bring it to more people. Yeah, um, I would second that. I, um, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life. Um, I did a lot of crazy things, did a lot of adventurous things. Um, but nothing, uh, that I've done has changed me more in a, in a two or three year period than getting under a barbell. Uh, I remember when I did 405 pounds for the first time put four plates on the, and, and I put that on my back and I thought, and Chase is standing there, I'm in my rack and, and I'm thinking in my head, this is going to pancake me. There is no way I'm going to get this up, right? That's what goes through my mind. And Chase just starts cueing me, okay? Midfoot, ass back, you know, whatever, you know. And I thought, I, okay, just do the movement pattern the way you've always done it. And it'll either go up or it won't. And uh, it, there's, yeah, you, you get some physiologic change from it. Um, but the mental change is, has got to be four or five times as great as, as the physiologic change. I mean, it's, you just walk taller, you, you know, you're not afraid of crap anymore. You're, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal change really is. Yeah. Facing something that you're not sure you can do and you're not sure if it's going to hurt you or help you and then doing it anyways and having it work out well every single time or nearly every single time is a pretty powerful mental process to go through. And it teaches you a bunch of things about yourself. And it teaches you a bunch of things about the other challenges that you face in life. And maybe uh, there's less to be worried about. And that that reduction in anxiety and that increase in confidence, the, the benefit of that cannot be overstated. Right. And, and you can, um, you learn that uh, you can depend on yourself. 
to do stuff. Okay, this needs to get done. Well, who better than me to do it? I remember my, my wife scared to death of barbell training. Okay. Scared to death of what she's going to find when she walks into the gym because she's thinking, oh, there's going to be mirrors everywhere. There's going to be these body buddies running around posing, you know, you know, hitting on all the women. And she walks into the, the gym and there's no mirrors. There's just racks and barbells. Okay. And she's like, well, I could probably do this and connects immediately with Chase. So it's funny. Her weights are going up, up, up. Right. And she gets, she gets sick. She gets the flu. Uh, the flu's still around, by the way. How is it? I um, thought it was gone. Yeah. Really no, it's, it's, it's you, still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's out for eh, a week. You know, she didn't train for a week. She comes back and Chase deloads her. And uh, she's looking at the weight. She's Chase, I did much more than this before. <laughs> why, why am I doing? Why am I only doing 145 pound squats? He's like, Francesca, you haven't been in here in a, in a week. Okay, we need to start lower and get, but I can do more than this. Okay, it, an amazing transformation. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. And you know she still gets trepidatious when she's she's looking at what he programmed for the next day. Me and too, man. He's like, yeah, it's a, so do I. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's really um, it's really. Uh, life incarnate because you're you're looking at uh, strength training and as you go up you know if you would have told me two years a year and a half ago that i would have squatted 415 pounds i would have said you're insane right okay but when i squatted the 415 it was much harder to do than the first time i squatted 315 mm. or much harder to do than when i did two plates for the first time mm -hmm. So it gets progressively harder. The higher up you go, the rarer the air is as you go higher, the harder it is and the more you have to commit to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, the, it's, uh, it's life, man. It's your, 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 the, the higher up you go on that ladder, the more responsibility you have and the more you have to depend on yourself and the more guts you have to, you have to have enough balls to do that. Responsibility is the key word. I've, I've noticed a theme in my life. As I've aged, I've taken on more responsibility. As I take on more responsibility, I have more stress. As I'm exposed to more stress, I either recover and respond to that stress, stress in a productive and constructive way or not. And it is and just like strength yeah. training. Yeah, and if you don't, you don't go higher. Right. Okay. Right. How, how high you go in any ladder that you're measuring in your life Depends on how much responsibility you are willing to shoulder, and and uh, that's how strength training just mirrors, you know, life in general. And that is exactly why I wanted to talk to you today on the podcast because you are the guy that grabs life by the balls, and you want to peek out physically, and you want to peek out intellectually. And I don't know what things were like when you were growing up because we're not in the same generation. But when I was growing up, the weight room and and the athletic stuff and the physique. That was all for the jocks. And then as, as the 21st century, uh, as we got into the 21st century, I started to see a convergence where all the information became available on the internet and the nerds started doing research and the nerds started figuring out fitness. And now you've got guys like my brother, who's, you know, one of the, the, 
a, a world-renowned network architect, like a, a, a total nerd, nerd engineer. And he's <laughs> a big, nerd, strong, yeah. muscular dude, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. and uh, it's kind of like living life with cheat codes um, when, you, when you figure out both, when you figure out the mental side and the physical side. And this is kind of why I do what I do. I just want to share it with the world. It's, it's, life is so much better. You are so much happier when you're stronger. And it's as simple as that. And if you haven't put the fourth plate on the bar, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And if you disagreed, you haven't put the fourth plate on the bar yet. <laughs> That's right. Fine, fine. But yes. you're theorizing here. So do that you're first right. and then let's have a conversation right. about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you're not, um, if you haven't done it, um, don't theorize about it. And, you know, that's a, that's an interesting thing because I think, you know, Rip gets a lot of crap in the, uh, academic circles. And I would guess the reason is, is they're embarrassed. Okay. Totally embarrassed of this guy that sat down and wrote out the stuff that they should already have known. They should have been teaching. Um, they're stuck in their little esoteric, you know, um, funnel and can't see the forest for the trees. And, uh, you know, I, I learned long ago that most critics are just confused admirers. So, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, it's uh, a 24 year old kid, uh, in a research department at a university with a 14 inch neck writing about strength training is an absurdity. It's an absolute absurdity. One of the things that's been amazing to, to, uh, to have been exposed to Rip's style of thinking is that once you understand everything that's involved with starting strength, you realize that the rest of the in industry and pop culture's understanding of health and fitness is complete bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And then when you start- I mean, even at, yeah, even at best, it's pieces. Um, and, and it doesn't, some, and, and some pieces don't necessarily apply to everyone. Okay. So, uh, but starting strength, the, the, the blue book applies to every single person. It doesn't matter what your genetic capabilities are. It doesn't matter what you've done before. Um, I mean, we got guys with, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a coach with a amputated leg, right? There's, there's um, coaches that are um, never thought they would be doing this stuff. Okay. That are killing it. And, you know, I, I always joke that, yeah, I had, I had Nick and Chase to coach me, but every starting strength coach I've met. Okay. Is, is like, you know, Ripito light. Okay. They are, they're, they're, they're coaching the movement patterns exactly the way Ripito wants it coached. Yep. Okay. Or they're called out. That's right. And so that's the linchpin of this whole process. And once I learned that, and you, you learn that uh, you get a, you get a starting strength coach, someone that's actually certified starting strength coach, you can be pretty confident. They know how, to make people learn the movement patterns. Yep. Re regardless of who walks in, your your 85-year-old grandmother or your you know 15-year-old 14-inch neck kid that wants to get stronger. Yep. You, you know, there's different mechanisms, but what's written in the blue book applies to all of them. And it, that's a phenomenal um, 
accomplishment. My, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it's not it's not just the fact that all of this was observed, dissected, analyzed, documented, and communicated clearly. It's not just that. And that and it happens to work. It's not just that. It's that it was then turned into a system of how to teach others to do that. And then in addition yeah. to that, it was then turned into a mechanism to determine whether or not these people could do it at the right level of quality. And then in addition to that, it was not allowing that quality standard to drop. So yes. um, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And I've been around business a long time. And uh, it's, it's when someone has a discovery or um, an invention or any kind of intellectual property in a particular domain that is just so far and away better than anything else in its category, and it happens mm -hmm. to be one of the most basic fundamental aspects of living a healthy productive life um it's almost dumbfounding right because because we because it's 2022 how how yeah, could <laughs> how could these insights have been gleaned this late into the development mm -hmm. of the species uh and then to have it surrounded by this entire organization and all this content and this massive online community it is of uh, i i legitimately have never seen anything like it which back to my earlier point about looking at the, the demand created it's all organic guys like you discovering the book looking at the website um, finding a coach and that's why we have 35 million impressions a year and that's why when i looked at the analytics at city by city i'm looking at dallas for example I'm like holy shit, fifty-five thousand hits to the website every year in dallas and i know about online conversion i used to be a tech entrepreneur and so what percentage of those people we need to convert to make a gym viable and and what do the numbers look like and i was doing the math and i'm just like this is an absolute no-brainer and the holy grail in business is fulfilling the demand that's already there and that's we can fair. roll up in these cities open a gym people know about starting strength they know about rip and just like you yeah. they sign up and and change everything about their existence yeah if that number of people in dallas okay knew all of them knew that there's a starting shrink gym or two or three or four, you would have riots on your hand because they're, they're like, why is there only three gyms? Yep. Okay. Yeah. They're all full. I, I'm on a waiting list. That's horseshit. <laughs> why can't you build more? You know? Yep. So, you know, that's the next step is, is, uh, is converting the, the, the most number of people that, that are out there. Um, to By the way, Dallas is for example. So if you're if you're watching yeah, this from DFW, go visit Plano because Plano still has room. <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, because um, just to bring back the the guy I just talked about, the the anesthetist I just uh, that just started at our hospital, he knew started shrink, and I said, uh, didn't you live out in Moore? Uh, he said, yeah, I lived out there for four years. I said, there's a gym right there on uh, on Western. He goes, you're kidding. <laughs> so. You know, that's I. That's the next uh, um, great tweak if we can figure that out. How how to get, um, you know, the, the most number of people to actually know there's a gym here, right? You know that you can go and get trained in. It's still a secret. Because yeah, we that, still have people yeah. in these cities where gyms have been <laughs> open for years that are fans that don't know the gyms exist, which is why I'm grateful yeah. for franchise owners like you because your secret to success has been find a model and follow the damn model exactly right and, <laughs> exactly. and that's what you've done with the franchise because you've i, I told yep. you that we were going after the whole foods demographic right uh, they yep. care about health and fitness they've got some extra money to spend 
Whole Foods puts their markets in places that have a high density of people that, that fit these criteria. They can afford uh, the price that we charge for membership. You put your gym in a damn Whole Foods parking lot. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I've taken you too literally, I guess. No, that's exactly but, yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your sign is visible because, yeah, man, if you're getting yeah. 30,000 mm -hmm. cars a day passing by your sign, that's a whole yeah. hell of a lot more than we can do by putting a banner up on the website. And um, Yeah, we have... Uh, we. Uh, we just signed the lease, um, you know, Monday, uh, haven't started any construction yet, have no signs up yet. And I have 50 people on, on a, on a, a site that's, that they've clicked on the starting strength Tulsa site and are now on an email list. There's 50 people. So, um, and we're, we're not, we haven't even started, um, Jim's not there yet. Right. So, yep. Um, they Speaking know it's coming. Which, and did I, did I get you, um, did I, did anyone send you a list of people that requested a gym in Tulsa before your website was up? Uh, you, you mentioned it to me when I, when we had our conversation, okay. um, remind me about, after this call, cause we can give you that list too. And then your email list will be even bigger. And then you can open up with, uh, with more members, hit, hit, hit cash flow positive that much sooner. And then, uh, yeah. hopefully move on to gym number two. You're, you're holding back on me, man. What, what have you been doing with your time, dude? It's not too late. Your construction hasn't started yet. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I'm just, just joking. So, uh, um, yeah, that's cool. That's great. What were your, do you remember your, uh, your numbers? I wanted to talk to you about your pre-diabetic situation. What was your, uh, you know, glucose? Well, so, yeah, so um, our hospital does a thing on doctor's day where we go and we can get lab work done. And so 2000, let's see, back 2016, 17, something like that. Um, I go and get my blood work done and it's normal. Um, I'm probably 40, 50 pounds overweight. Um, talking fat weight, because uh, now I talk about weight differently. Yep. Um, and uh, the next year I get tested in my fasting blood sugar is 179. Uh, that was 12 hour fast. Wow. Um, freaked me out. Yeah. Immediately went and got, uh, <clears throat> got my uh, A1C tested. It was 7.2. I'm like, holy shit, I'm diabetic. Yeah. So I'm really lucky uh, in some regards because I just had a random blood test done. Um, and it, it showed me this. The average time period for a person, once they become diabetic, to know that they're diabetic is over eight years. And the reasoning is because it doesn't hurt, doesn't cause any issues other than weight gain and, and you know, look around you, everyone's fat. Um, and, um, and you only start noticing it when you start having end organ damage, hmm. you start damaging your kidneys, you start damaging your liver and things, your body's ability to compensate is, um, is getting overwhelmed. So that's what started my process. And so <clears throat> I did a combination of, uh, like I said, P90X stuff. And I was doing intermittent fasting. I started doing um, actually prolonged fasting um, and actually preserved a fair amount of lean body mass by doing that and, and lost 70 pounds over a two year period, which is not easy when you're in your late 50s. No. And I was, especially for I was hyper, 
right? I was hyper-focused. Yeah. And so I got my uh, A1C down to uh, 5.1. I reversed my diabetes. And then, uh, you know, that's an interesting subject. I don't know how far you want to go down this rabbit hole, but as, as, as I want. started strength, as I started go, uh, strength training, I, would be, I was very fat adapted. Okay. I had eliminated basically carbohydrates for the most part from my diet, certainly sugar, um, very few carbs and most of them were complex carbs. And this is all, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, um, the labels that people put on um, carnivore diets or keto diets, but none of that matters at all because every single person is different. Okay. And so you can't, can't put them under this umbrella of, you know, do this diet, do that diet. And diets, they don't work. You have to have lifestyle changes, basically. So um, as I started strength training, um, I was very fat adapted. I was burning fat mostly. Um, and I got away with that for a long time mm. as my numbers went up. And I was putting on muscle mass and not fat weight. Mm. Uh, a little bit, but not Audible. my percent body fat was going down. Sure. Okay. So you can gain fat was, and lose body fat percentage, which people need to understand yes. on that. Yeah. That's, that's a very important point. So, um, but you get to a point in strength training um, that you will overwhelm your skeletal muscles ability uh, to burn fat. Hmm. Um, it's like, I, I, I equate it to a, a fat being like the diesel engine. You know, it'll go for a long time, mm -hmm. but if you need to run up a hill, um, really fast, you need a, need a dragster. Yep. So the, the, the sugar, not necessarily sugar, but carbohydrates are important to a supplement that, uh, system. So it's not only that I had to figure out what my body needed to become healthy mm. and strong. I had to figure it out again. Um, so your body physiology changes. And so it took a lot of effort for me to figure out what I needed, when I needed it, mm. how to eat and reverse my diabetes. And, um, I've put on, I think roughly 40, 38 to 40 pounds of lean body mass in, in a year and a half, two year period. Um, and I did it because uh, I listened to Nick once I figured out he was smarter than me. And um, <laughs> he's unassuming, but that's true for me too. Yeah, it's a, it's a humbling experience. Yes, it is. Um, protein intake, um, being careful with my carbohydrates because that's my physiology. And some people just fatten easily with those yep. um, healthy fats, uh, living a healthy life. Um, but I'm cutting out, I, I cut out all the cardio crap and just did strength training, just did what Nick told me to do and figured out my diet. And I think, uh, I think I shared with you earlier that the, the DEXA scan between uh, a seven month DEXA scan, the, the, the most recent one, I gained uh, in seven months, 26 pounds of lean body mass, which is not all muscle mass. It's it's bone density, it's ligaments, tendons, um, solid organs, whatever, but lean body, 26 pounds of lean body mass and four pounds of fat. Um, 
so yeah, my percent body fat went down. It's it's lower now than when I lost my seventy pounds of fat. No shit. And I and I started out at two hundred twenty pounds. So so you're at around two sixty. Is that right? Two two seventy two. Two seventy two. At what height? Six foot one. And what's your body fat percentage roughly? Uh, about 29, 28%. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, um, imagine telling your peers in the medical community this, right? That you're, you're six foot one, 270 plus and strong as an ox and healthy, Re- having reverse type two diabetes, not having to be in ketosis, <laughs> eating carbohydrates, um, completely yeah. change your health situation. And you, and the, the, the cool thing about your story is you went to all three, you kind of, uh, tested all three scenarios where standard American situation, fat, eating like shit, sedentary, feeling terrible. um, And then lo and behold, diabetes. And then the second is, okay, what what do you do in that situation? Standard American solution. Well, you diet, maybe go into ketosis, do a whole bunch of cardio. And you were very diligent about that. And you, you change your medical situation, which is awesome. But then you had the balls, because this is where things get real tricky, where people go, I'm afraid of weight gain. I don't want to gain any weight. And you're smart enough to make the distinction between muscle gain and fat gain. And you went through the process of putting on dozens of pounds of lean body mass, improving your metabolic situation, improving your insulin situation. And here you are. There you go. So uh, if you look at it in a strat, in, in a, you stratify it. The number one thing you can do, uh, diet is always the, the number one thing for uh, people that are diabetic or people that don't know they're diabetic and are insulin resistant. Uh, there's a, you know, you, you look at 30% of the population diabetic. Okay. Well, I would submit to you that probably 60 to 80% of the people are insulin resistant. Um, I don't know that number for sure, but that's kind of what I'm seeing yep. in, in, in my uh, little esoteric practice, but, but um so I got off track, but basically, um, I could have done it much easier um, by strength training at the beginning because the cardio tore me up. Mm. The um, yes, I needed to control my carbohydrate intake, but I probably didn't need to go that extreme. Mm-hmm. And the the number two. Um, in the strategy, in, in, the, in the stratification is um, putting on as much lean body mass as you can, uh, because your lean body mass is not insulin resistant. It fights insulin resistance. Um, and when we talk about that, it's a global term, but it has to do with different tissues in your body. Mm-hmm. So your skeletal muscle, when you strength train, is the least insulin resistant organ in your body. So the more lean body mass you can put on your frame, the, the less insulin resistance you are at risk for. And in addition to that, okay. it's quite hungry for fuel, which is uh, it, carbohydrates. Exactly. So it's a, exactly. it's a big sponge hanging out in your skeleton that soaks up the extra sugar running through mm-hmm. your blood, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And it's hungry for both sugar and, or, well, carbohydrates for sure, and, and fat. Because that you you burn fat when you strength train. That's it's, right. Uh, um, so and when you're sitting you know, on your ass, 
because your basal metabolic rate is higher because you're a less efficient biological machine because lean body mass is, uh, is inefficient. It requires energy. Um, and that means you can, you can enjoy yourself a little bit. And actually I wanted to ask you about that because you're, I I want to hear about your diet because you had from what it sounds like the standard American diet. And I'm assuming you eat the way I do and I enjoy the hell out of my food and I'm not restricting (laughs) calories and I'm, I'm, I get to be normal and not, and not, uh, you know, diet and, and limit myself and all this other stuff. I have to eat within reason, obviously, but I can, I can eat a giant steak and and a plate of veggies and feel good about it. Yeah. You don't want to be gluttonous, but yeah. Um, so, you know, my wife will, um, be cooking burger. How many burgers you want? Three. Um, you know, how many eggs you want this morning? Five, you know, um, because I'm freaking hungry because I just lifted the, the tonnage I just lifted was, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. And so you're, you're, uh, you have to listen to your body. Now you don't want to, you know, you're hungry. You don't want to sit down and eat a bag of potato chips. Um, that's not, that's not going to, to work for you. Not a 59. Um, some, right. <laughs> and some people, and like I said, it's different for everyone. Yep. Okay. You can't, you can't just have a, you know, a rubber stamp diet that, and, and that's what, really irritated me um, when I had to figure this out. And, you know, I've been through medical school and residency. You'd think that I would know nutrition really well. I would not, no. Um, they're they're, they're, <laughs> we know 30, years be- they're yeah. 30 years behind. Um, you know, I, I How dare that, you with those egg yolks? You're going to get heart disease, man. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I still have orthopedic surgeons that I know personally, and um, uh, they're they're like, you shouldn't be lifting like you're going to hurt your knees. You're going to hurt your back. I said, well, this particular orthopedic surgeon lives with chronic back pain and knee pain. And, and I said, you know, that what's really interesting is that once I started doing this, my knee pain and my back pain went away. So, I mean, you think about that, I've gained uh, 57 pounds. Okay. And my knee pain and back pain went away. Yeah. So now you have scaffolding yeah. supporting your joints. Yeah. And I don't need to tell, by the way, I don't need to tell the people I work with um, that I've put on this much body mass, right. um, healthy body mass. It's very obvious. They see you um, walk in the door. Yeah. And they exactly. think you're different. They think that, that you know, that just yeah. must be the way you were born. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's always that excuse. You know, I, I had to get adjusted um, to being a big guy. People call me a big guy. My whole life, I was a skinny little buggy whip and now I'm the big guy. But of course, yeah. everyone thinks that I was just, this is my genetic makeup. No, this is something yeah. you can earn. This is something you can go after. David, That's I have, right. to, ask, then, I have to ask you, man, quick, quick sidetrack. What yeah, the hell right. do we need to do to get your peers in the medical community to stop <laughs> answering questions that they don't know the answer to? What's, what is with that? I mean, and by the way, surgeons are, are probably my favorite um, sect of, of the medical community. It tends to be the, the brighter, more conscientious, more engineering-minded type. But man, well, the, I think the so. goddamn yeah. GPs are infuriatingly unable to distinguish between what they know and what they think they know. Yeah. Who's going to be watching this podcast? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> At least three so, of <laughs> So, you know, my, um, my dad was a GP, my dad was a general practitioner, but it's a, it was a different world. Um, he did everything. 
you know, he took tonsils out, he delivered babies, he did C-sections. He, um, it was really general practice. Yeah. Today they divided that into family practice, internal medicine, pediatrics. My dad did all of that stuff yeah. as a general practitioner. And he, um, yeah, he didn't have any problem saying, yeah, I don't know, but I'll look it up. Um, but yeah, I, uh, and how the hell do I know how to, you know, deal with that? I mean, all you have to do is look at how the medical community lost its collective mind from a, from a cold virus. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to, to, to minimize it. People died from this, this virus sure. and it, um, but look at the demographics and, but I, I think the, the politics of the whole thing and the, the way the medical community, you know, just embraced all the political crap made everything worse. Um, the reason um, I would suspect the reason that you um, talked about surgeons being somewhat different than the GPs is that um, every single thing that I, I learned in residency and med school was evidence-based medicine. You do this because this works and this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. Mm -hmm. And if someone finds something that 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 works better, yeah. then let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So it's not, you know, I don't I don't roll dice and figure out how to take someone's gallbladder out. Okay. I know exactly how to take one out. Um, and that doesn't mean that every single person is built the same. But there are fundamentals that you have to apply if you want the best scientific output. And that, that's exactly why the blue book spoke to me mm. um, because it's not, there's, there's not one, one bit of politics in that entire book. You know, I read the first sentence in that book, strength is the most important thing in life. And that's true whether you want it to be or not. And I stopped and I thought, well, that's a really interesting statement. Do I yeah. agree with that or not? Right. And to this day, I've found not one single disadvantage to being strong. No one has ever no. lost from being too strong is uh, one That's of right. my favorite quotes. Yeah. Right. Even if you're right. playing the game of life. Um, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting situation. And, and uh, evidence-based has kind of taken a turn for the worse because uh, the journals are corrupt and the people doing research are corrupt. Um and it's well, I, I don't know about corrupt. I think they're biased and they're they get paid the wrong way. Right. Um, the incentives are wrong. The, the incentives are wrong. Yeah. And quite frankly, this system, um, why am I building a starting string gym? Because the incentives are right. Mm -hmm. Okay. If if you're um, if you're able to um, get somebody healthier, get someone stronger, and it hap and it works as Ripto quotes, every single time it's tried mm -hmm. and you're able to reproduce that. Um, why would you not? Yep. When you get somebody standing there and they're coaching every single rep you do, how can you not get stronger? Yep. It's, it's, if they understand the model, the model works, that's the simple arithmetic, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, Tell me about your practice, by the way, David. What do you? Uh, what type of surgeon are you? I'm a general surgeon. Um, I've been a. Um, it's mostly abdominal surgery, uh, uh, hernias, lumps and bumps, uh, 
most internal digestive organs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do uh, I don't do uh, orthopedics, which is bones, and I don't do cardiothoracic, which is stuff in the chest. So general surgery is kind of a hodgepodge of most of the other stuff. Um, so we see a fair number of different organ systems and disease processes with that. Um, pretty busy practice, but I guess it wasn't busy enough because I wanted to add some extra stuff in there, mm. uh, like building a gym. Yeah. So, um, um, but it, you know, keeps me busy, keeps me out of trouble. So, um, you know, it, it, you mentioned that surgeons are a little different than everyone else. And I, I think that's true. Um, uh, the, uh, because everything you do, um, the success you have and the failures you have, they're all on you. Mm-hmm. You did this. Um, you know, or did you do it right? Did you do the best you could? It's a huge weight to have every single day, um, that you're practicing. Um, most of the time when you're operating, you're millimeters away from really hurting someone, um, and, and killing them. Um, so you have to be, um, continuously educated, evidence-based, um, and competent. Okay. I mean, you can go meet a surgeon who's the nicest guy in the world, but if he can't tie his shoes very well, um, you know, you might as well take the bastard down the hall who's, you know, crumpy old guy, but, um, he knows how to operate. I know better than to judge a surgeon based on their bedside manner because the surgeons that I've met uh, are typically pretty gruff and typically pretty blunt. (laughs) I care about their success rate and the steadiness of their hand and their knowledge base. And uh, your practice can actually be evidence-based because if you're a GP seeing patients for five minutes at a time, writing a prescription and never hearing back one way or the other, you don't really get the evidence that we get in the gym when you come in three days a week and we can see whether or not you're getting bigger and stronger or the evidence you get in your practice where did the person survive or not? Okay, cool. They've survived. That's step one. Step two, did you improve their situation or not? And you get that feedback loop and that feedback loop is missing from the broader medical community. I think that is a big part of the problem. I think it is. I'd be careful with stereotypes there because I know some really great, um, um, GPs, family practice guys, they're really smart guys. And j- by the way, just, um, just to clarify, I, whenever I talk in generalities, I'm talking about themes and I'm certainly not shitting on all GPs. Right. There are some brilliant, phenomenal GPs out there, of course. Right. I, I wasn't accusing you, but I, I know some really, um, brilliant, um, general practitioners. I could never do that job. I couldn't, they had the, the amount of politics and, and crap that they have to, to fight uphill all the time to do the right thing yeah. is a nightmare. And they don't, you don't get, um, and the reimbursement is screwed up. Yep. Okay. So you, you know, if you want, if you want to see 50 people a day and, uh, you know, give them two pills and a bill, um, that you'll get paid more than doing the right thing. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's, there are multiple things to balance. There's not just how much should I help this patient. There's how much should I help this patient? Um, am I able to do the things that I want to do within the confines of the system that I'm in? 
And am I, am I able to do the things that I want to do within the confines of, of liability exposure? So you're constantly balancing these three things, and those three things are very often at odds. And uh, very, very commonly, I see people put, uh, you know, avoiding liability exposure above what's best for the patient. And I, I think we saw that in its true form on mass over the past couple of years, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, um, so one piece of advice I would give people, um, don't, don't go to your family practice doctor to um, talk about nutrition. Okay. Nutrition is your responsibility. All right. And there's enough information out there and you are your own experimental lab petri dish. Okay. You can figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And don't worry about the, um, you know, the people that, that take this particular stand as dogma or they're ideological about one particular uh, facet of dieting. Because you know, all too often, the general practitioners will see people that have abused their body for 60 years, mm. and then they come in the office and say, fix me. Yeah. Um, that's not, that doesn't work. Um, so um, there are, there are things you need to go to the doctor for. Okay. Um, I'm not sure getting a nutritional advice is one of them. Uh, because there's enough information out there. Um, and the and, training's not and, there. It's and, not their domain of expertise. That's true. Um, so, and to your point, they they may feel uncomfortable telling you, you know, I can't really give you dietary advice. Or, you know, um, or if you have a cardiologist that's worried that your cholesterol is two, 238, mm-hmm. um, you know. I just had a lipid panel done. My cholesterol is 238, but my triglycerides are down the bottom. And so that's, um, that's a great dynamic. My HDL is off the chart. So um, you have to understand the lab values. Mm. And I think a good GP can do that. But it's your responsibility to find a good GP, mm. okay? Um, don't just assume what... You take your car to a mechanic and he's telling you a story that you, that you find squirrely. Um, well, don't trust that mechanic, you know, get another opinion. So, um, yeah, that's the thing that I think people are missing, um, is that the healthcare is really their responsibility. Now, from a surgical standpoint, there's some things they can't control and they get a surgical disease, um, that needs to be treated surgically. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, and you do have to trust the GP that you trust to send you to a surgeon. Nobody looks up surgeons in the you know, yellow pages. Mm. So uh, they're sent to them by primary care physicians. So, um, so um, yeah, shop around and don't just assume that, um, that, that this guy's a good fit for you, or this woman's a good fit for you, um, depending on um, what they're telling you or if, if they're saying things that don't make sense to you, get another opinion um, and, and find someone that, that you trust. But ultimately, your health care is your responsibility. That's right. Just like paying your, paying your electric bill is your responsibility. So, you know, call an electrician to pay your electric bill. And a, uh, the appeal to authority logical fallacy is quite a dangerous one. 
if uh, it has to do with your well-being and potentially life and death. So just like you said, the title tells you nothing about the person's capability. You've got to do your homework and you have to treat medical professionals like consultants, not like decisions make, decision makers. Do not outsource your decision making to a yes, medical professional. Right. You are responsible. Right. You're the one that has to deal with the consequences. Yeah, when I was raising my children, um, and I think I'm still raising them when they're in their mid 20s, but um, when I was raising them, I always taught them, don't believe anything anyone tells you, including me, okay? Unless you can, you know, you have your own brain, figure it out. Um, and, you know, to circle back, um, I have my own brain. And when I read Stardew Strength, um, I was like, big light bulb went on over my head. And I said, that this is what I got to do. Yeah. I wish I was 30 and I could do it when I was 30. But, you know, time is time. That do facet of your personality, I, I believe, explains why you are where you are in life. And uh, we're fortunate to have you, man, because... And you're not the only surgeon, by the way. We've got Andrew Mueller over in, in Texas who's trying to build 20 gyms with Brent Carter. And um, this appeals to people that think the way that you do and operate the way that you do. And uh, when I first spoke to you and heard the referral from Nick, I was like, well, uh, the guy's thoughtful. He's successful. He obviously knows how to work his ass off. Um, and most <laughs> importantly, he, he doesn't know better. He knows that when a program exists <laughs> that's logical and verifiable, follow the program and it will work. And I cannot stress the importance of that trait when it comes to being a strength trainee and also a franchisee. So I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're I'm, I'm not trying well for yourself. Yeah, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. You guys made a perfect wheel so far, so I hope so. And you but keep tweaking it, which is really it, cool. let us know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not shy. Yeah. So, well, David, I enjoyed that conversation very much. Thanks for the time today. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Talk soon. See you.